Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, another crazy week. Everything up in the air, nothing settled. I'm not quite sure what's happening. Uh, we had the Mueller report come out. Uh, I thought that was going to resolve a lot of things. It didn't. It's just there's more confusion up in the air, uh, et cetera, et cetera, in that regard. Everything's crazy. Uh, we got a little bit of a show tonight, quite a bit, so I'm going to get started right away. We're going we're gonna to be going to Mar-a-Lago. We're going to go to New Mexico, Washington, D.C., Venezuela, Iran, China, Russia, Sri Lanka, and England. I want to start tonight at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, I want to say something terrible. Some of you are going to hate me. Uh, But two fat asses spent the Easter weekend together at Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump. He's fat. I'm talking about his physical presence. There was a time up until last year where I was as big as him. Uh, Donald Trump and Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh and Donald Trump got together. They're both big men, and you can interpret big in any fashion you like. Uh, they spent the weekend together. They played golf. There were pictures on the Internet of the two of them standing together for their golf pose with their drivers in their hands, etc., etc. Uh, all I can say is, Both of them need to go on a diet. Now, I want to talk about New Mexico, the border of New Mexico and Mexico. Uh, It was only uh, yesterday I wrote about this. I I did it in my blog yesterday morning, then things broke the way they should have earlier yesterday afternoon. Last week, all of a sudden, there shows up on the New Mexico side of the Mexico border, a vigilante group. They were dressed like border patrol. They were dressed like military people. They were in uniform. They had guns. Uh, The name of this organization was the United Continental Patriots. The United Continental Patriots. What an impressive name. They are a white nationalist group white nationalists, okay? Uh, They're not good people. They're white nationalists. And they were down there, and they were taking over how how the immigrants were being handled. And they go up to the immigrants, you know, and they'd say, we're working with the Border Patrol or we're the Border Patrol. And then they did whatever they wanted with them. They didn't kill them or anything like that. But they were taking them under their control and whatever they did, I don't know, because they're already there a few days with them. But it did not seem right to me that a group like this could play soldiers or military people or cops with these people. They're not for real. They're they're not legitimate. They're not supposed to be there, but they were doing it. And they got away with it for five or six days. And I began to wonder, can it be that this is with the blessing of Trump or this is with the blessing of some Republican group? I can't believe you just can take a vigilante group because that's what they were and put them down there uh, to control things. What they were actually were volunteers, okay, and were trying to help the government, our government, patrol the area. Well, somebody got wind of it. If I got wind of it, everybody had to get wind of it. Uh, had to be, it was out there. And uh, it was announced yesterday afternoon that the leader of this group, and I don't have his name here, he was arrested for the conduct of his group there. What's going to happen, I don't know. 
if something's got to happen to this guy and his people, somebody's got to go to jail or be convicted of something. You can't play cops part of cops and robbers in this country unless you are so constituted and the United Continental Patriots were not so constituted. Which brings me to impeachment. Impeachment. What a disaster this impeachment, impeachment thing is becoming. Um, first of all, you know when we talk about a duck, if it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck. It talks like a duck. It has to be a duck. Well, if it feels like impeachment, it looks like impeachment, and it acts like impeachment, it should be impeachment. But we ain't getting to impeachment yet. Uh, I've got to tell you something. I am extremely upset with the, the Mueller report. I, I feel he did not go as far as he should have. I anticipated that he was going to do a hell of a job. And at the end, he would be in a position to make sure that appropriate charges were brought in the appropriate places, uh, which would lead to impeachment. Uh, well, it didn't work out that way. Uh, Mueller put the show together. He says, oh, no, no. He says, there's, uh, there, there's no collusion, but there is obstruction, big-time obstruction. Uh, and uh, instead of taking certain steps himself or through his own authority, he, in effect, set out a plan by which Congress, steps Congress should take to work into an impeachment charge. Well, this thing's going to take forever. It's already two years. Mueller comes out with his report. Uh, it, if you want to read it this way, it, it frees Trump of any wrongdoing. And he's been on TV, Rudy Giuliani, all his people around there, and they're saying, look, no collusion, couldn't find enough for obstruction, couldn't say either way, I'm innocent. I did nothing wrong. And that's what he's saying, and they're all saying, Trump and all his followers are saying. And I don't like it because that's not accurate. But Mueller did not do the job properly. So where the hell are we now? And I want to say it that way. I'm getting excited. I am upset. You have no, upset. You have no idea. Now Congress, a Democratic House of Representatives, is the House of Representatives that has the authority to bring impeachment. The Senate will have to then try the case as a jury and determine if there's guilt or innocence. Well, the Democrats don't want to do it. They're, they're afraid. I've got to say it this way. If you recall, when Clinton was impeached, Congress impeached him, but yet the Senate failed to find him guilty. And they... They are so afraid, I believe, the Democrats in the House of Representatives are so afraid, if they do it, they impeach him, and he's not convicted, and he might not be convicted by the Senate, because the Senate has, what, a seven-vote plurality in the, in the Senate. It's going to be difficult to have a conviction of guilt in the Senate for impeachment, that the people are going to say, you shouldn't have done this, et cetera, et cetera. And what happened in the Clinton situation, we got reelected. When he should have gone down the tubes, he got reelected, and afraid the same thing will happen to him. So they're saying, oh, no, we've got to wait till we have all the proof. Well, all the proof means questioning a lot of the people that Mueller has already questioned. Okay? Now, this is going to take time. Watch 
the dates for everything. They're going to have this one as a witness in two weeks, this one in four weeks, this one in five weeks. Some of those will be adjourned. Then they're going to have more than two or three witnesses, I'm assuming. They, they say they're, in effect, going to question everybody again and maybe some other people. This thing's going to drag into, down until next year. All of a sudden, it's going to be an election. Nobody's going to have a vote for impeachment. They're doing it wrong. I think the American people want to know if what was said in Mueller's report, it's over 400 pages, is sufficient. And if it is, then the president should at least be charged with impeachment and let the, let the thing play itself out. The House is afraid to do it. Maybe they're right and I'm wrong. What, what the hell do I know about these things? It just does not seem the right way to do it, in my opinion. Now, what else here about impeachment? Well, there's another thing. What's going to happen now is we're going to be in there and we're going to have our congressional committees investigating this thing as swiftly as they can. And we're going to lose track of what we should be talking about also. We're not going to be preparing legislation for Medicare, Medicare for all, get rid of the school loan situation, deal with climate change, equal pay for women. These are other items that are important also. This impeachment thing, this getting rid of Trump thing is important because the man is not, he's not mentally competent to be president. I also think he's uh, an imposter of sorts. He, he's, he's dishonest. Uh, but we're not going to be have the balance in Congress that we should in what they're doing with their committees. And this thing could end up a big mess. I hope not, but I see it going that way. Which now brings me to Washington in general. When I say Washington, I, I mean our government. I mean Donald Trump and his people. Washington, Trump, is looking for a fight. A fight not with the Democrats. I'm talking about a fight with some other nations. A war. A shooting war. A bombing war. A killing war. The United States versus somebody else. And when you're looking at this, you have to take into account Pompeo, who's our Secretary of State, and uh, John Bolton. These two guys are warmongers. They are demented. And it's a proper label. I give it to Trump, too, for certain reasons. Because these guys love war. They want war. I don't care that Pompeo graduated first in his class from West Point. I don't care that he was an honor graduate from uh, Harvard Law. I don't care he was in the Senate for, what, 10 years, uh, the House of Representatives for 10 years. This guy's nuts. He wants war. And so does Bolton. Now, look what's been happening. Uh... Just this past week, Kim Jong said, something's wrong with Pompeo. <laughs> he comes over here. He's been over there this week. He may still be there. He's talking with us. We have to denuclearize. Why the hell are we going to denuclearize? All right? You've got atomic bombs in the United States. You've got nuclear weapons. Many countries have it. Russia has them. China has them. Pakistan, India has them. Uh, Great Britain has them. Why can't we have them? You know, why should you have them and we don't? We don't have as many as you. We may, I think uh, North Korea has five. We have many, many, many more. Uh, but it only takes one to cause a war, you know. But he says, we're not going to denuclearize. We'd be crazy. I believe that Pompeo and Bolton should be talking with Kim Jong 
about containing what he has. In other words, don't make any more, which is was part of their talk. Now it's gone. Let's get rid of them completely, whatever you have, and let's not use them, and let's check each other out. You can come and see how many we have. We're not going to get rid of ours. We're going to keep more, and we'll come and see what you've got. Let's contain, but they're not going that way. So we have a problem with the crazy guy who doesn't sound crazy all the time, Kim Jong in North Korea. Uh, Venezuela, my God, Venezuela. We're going to invade Venezuela. Don't you remember what, two weeks ago, Trump said, humanitarian crisis in Venezuela. We are going to invade. We, we're, I'm considering invading Venezuela. He sent 35 or 4,500 troops to the Colombian border with Venezuela. They're still sitting there. He sent F-35s down. That's our super-duper sleuth plane. And all of a sudden, have you heard him say anything about going into Venezuela now? In the meantime, by the way, understand that Russia sent several bombers in with soldiers because he and uh, Putin and Maduro are f- f- friends. <laughs> We're not with friends with Maduro. And China is backing Russia. And Russia said, stay the hell out of here, United States. See, Venezuela has the largest supply reserves of oil in the world. We want that oil. Russia wants that oil. China wants that oil. China and, and Russia are in bed together. We're standing alone. We have to go to war over oil. Russia won't let it happen. Now we're in a war with Russia. Both of us have a lot of nuclear weapons. This is terrific. Uh, but what's happened is this. Uh, Venezuela, you know, you think that they're not feeding their people, but they, they got some great military equipment, as it turns out. They have, uh, it's called the S-200 and the S-300. It's a radar system and also shoots missiles at the same time at incoming planes. And uh, it was either developed and sold to them by Russia or China or both. Turns out our F-35s, just last October, Trump said, great airplane, stealth. And why is it so great? No one could see it when it flies in over your country. It's invisible. I don't know how, but it's invisible. You can't see it. Well, it turns out that the F-35 is not as great as it was supposed to be because this S-300 and this S-200 radar system can spot them right away, okay? Maybe they can't see them, but they can spot them on the radar. They, they, you can't see them with your eyes, but they can spot them on their radar. And the missile system that accompanies it, and here I have to lay it out to you this way. We have to send military troops, and you can't win any battle there without ground troops. You have to protect your ground troops with airplanes. Our airplanes can't get around the S-200 and 300 systems. They will be seen. And from what I have read and what I have spoken about in the past and from everything I can read, this S-200 and S-300 system is 85 to 90% effective and knocking down all the planes in the sky of the United States. Do you hear me? 85 to 95, 90% of our planes would be shot down as they come over. Uh, so we're not going to go in there. We're not, we don't even have the equipment to go in there that's effective right now. And this is our newest super-duper hot plane. Uh, then you got Iran. They wanted, these guys want to go to war with Iran. Everything was fine. Obama made the deal. Here's how we're going to handle things. And things were working all right. Uh, Trump came in and said, I don't like the deal. It screws the United States. And now we're on the verge of war with Iran. He wants war with Iran. Iran has big oil supplies. You've got to follow the money. It's true in everything that happens in this world. 
follow the money. Oil is money. Iran has oil. Additionally, Israel hates Iran because they're afraid Iran's going to knock them on their ass. And we're big friends with Israel, so another reason why we want to go to war with Iran. Uh, Then there's Russia. Putin's supposed to be Trump's friend. I'm laughing as I say this. From the day he was elected, Putin's my friend. All of a sudden, guess what they came up with this week? We have a terror list, terrorist list. Countries that we don't do business with, we sanction in every way possible, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what Pompeo said in Bolton? We are going to put, we want to put, and we are going to put Russia on the terrorist list. Can you imagine? We're going to have Russia on the terrorist list, who they're not our friends. They are our enemies, but they're not our enemy enemies. And we've gotten along since World War II. One way or another, we got along. Now we're pushing each other, and we may go to war. Absolutely ridiculous. We're losing, my friends, we're losing ground against these countries. We're losing ground in the world. And all I can say is, wake up, America, because we are getting deeper and deeper in trouble. Now, I'm going to stay with Venezuela a little bit. Uh, I've been talking about, I discovered Maduro five years ago, and I got into this guy. He is so interesting, and I saw what he was doing with his country. His country. Three years ago, uh, on August 18, 2016, I wrote a, an article for Conk Life here in Key West. Conk Life's a weekly newspaper, uh, pretty lengthy, about what was happening with Venezuela. And I'm, I'm going to go through it tonight and read certain excerpts from you because you have to understand it's only now that Trump sees them as a humanitarian crisis. Hell, they've been a humanitarian crisis for five years, for three years, definitely. I called, I titled the article, Mommy, I'm Hungry. Mommy, I'm Hungry. Very apropos fits. Here's the way it goes. Venezuela, one of the richest countries at one time, the largest oil reserves in the world. By the mid-2000s, everyone was eating. Average consumption by uh, the people of Venezuela was 2,790 calories a day. Thanks to Hugo Chavez, president of Venezuela from 1999 to 2013. Chavez was a socialist among socialists, 100% pure socialist. He wanted everything for the people paid for by the government. With the people making minimal contribution along the way to pay for things. Depend on the government, we'll take care of you. Oil was big. Chavez was smarter than the oil companies. He nationalized the oil companies that were down there doing business with Venezuela, like the Sinocos or wherever they were, took them over. All these foreign companies, with the stroke of a pen, thereby making those oil uh, companies belong to Venezuela and all the profits, then went to the Venezuelan people. Chavez's goal was to expand access to food, housing, health care, and education. He initially succeeded in all areas. Uh, eventually, however, Chavez's extreme socialism began to falter. A society, and we're going to learn this, we're learning it now in this country, and we may be learning it even further depending on who we elect as president next. A society cannot be the end-all to all especially when few contribute in any significant degree to their own support. Oil revenues fell. 
the high oil profits of 2003 to 2007 became a thing of the past. It was oil profits that sustained Chavez's socialistic society. Food, a perfect example. Chavez fed everyone until the ceiling caved in. Uh, literally, everyone got fed. Most of the food was not grown in Venezuela by Venezuelan farmers. Why have them work for it? They didn't have to work. They had the money to buy it. It was imported. The oil profits were more than sufficient to pay the cost. When things started getting bad, Chavez got sick. I think he had cancer or something like that. The two are not related, but the last four years of Chavez's life was fighting to save his life and Venezuela's at the same time. He failed in both respects. He died in Venezuela, in effect, died also. Chavez died in 2013 from a massive heart attack and advanced colon cancer. Venezuela had become corrupt. He had opposition. There are those who believe Chavez was murdered. Nicolas Maduro became president, inept and incompetent from day one, a puppet of the military. The generals wanted to rule Venezuela. From 2013 to 2016, they succeeded. Today, the generals run everything. They hold all cabinet posts. They hold Maduro in their hands. He dances to their tune. The government is corrupt. The generals are eating economically and food-wise. They want for nothing, as does the puppet Maduro and a handful of high-level civilians. At the same time, the people starve. The first inkling of a problem came in 2013. Maduro had been president less than a year. Venezuela ran out of toilet paper. Did you hear what I said? That was the first crisis. They ran out of toilet paper. Once a person was, is without, <laughs> okay, the realization hits home that toilet paper is a necessity of life. There, it, there was in 2016, and there is still today in 2019, a shortage of toilet paper in Venezuela. Store shelves had less and less food, eventually no food. People waiting in lines for hours, and finally in the store, nothing remained for sale. In 2014, food shortages hit 28%. In 2015, 75%. Forget the percentages in this year of 2016, as I had written in my column at the time. Famine had moved in. Maduro declared a national food crisis. Food became precious. The New York Times described the situation as follows. Venezuela is convulsing from hunger. I repeat, Venezuela is convulsing from hunger. 2016 also became the year that water became in poor supply. Inflation also in 2016 was expected to exceed 700% by November. I want you to know that today inflation is in excess of 4,000 in Venezuela. Would you believe it? There is no work. Factories cannot operate. There's no, this is in 2016, there's no electricity. Maduro, you know, they don't have any power today, we read in the paper. They didn't have any power before uh, Trump became president. Maduro provides electricity one to two days a week. Maintenance has been neglected, thereby causing the inability to produce electricity. Families need food. People have been forced to extreme measures. Last year, garbage was a source of sustenance. And let me repeat that. Garbage was a source of sustenance. However, garbage pails only hold so much in food products, and they only last so long when many are searching. Then a point is reached where there is no garbage. People have nothing or little to eat. Dealing a neighbor's food came next. Only so much to steal, however. And then that year of 2016 evidenced just how bad things had become. Home pets. 
Generally, cats and dogs were killed and eaten by families. If a family could not kill such a loved one or could not afford to feed the pet, the pet was dropped off on a highway. There are others not fond of the pet would pick it up and take the pet home for dinner. Pets are no longer in supply. Next were the zoos. In the last 30 days, when I wrote this article in 2016, first chickens, rabbits, and the like were stolen and eaten, then larger zoo animals. Very recently, again 2016, a Caracas zoo was broken into in the middle of the night. A black stallion was one of the zoo's featured animals. When zoo staff arrived in the morning, all that was left of the horse were its head and ribs. What next? Hunger goes on. At the same time, the food supply dwindles even further. Cadavers? I don't know. They could. They haven't even yet in 2019 started eating bodies, but you don't know. To Appreciate Mommy, I'm Hungry, the title of this article, To Appreciate Mommy, I'm Hungry, consider the following. Families only eat every second day. This is in 2016. Families were only eating every other day, every second day, some every third, only one meal, children included. Children are malnourished. They faint in class. Some die. Their body's nothing but skin and bones. The outlines of ribs visible, hands swollen, skin stuck to bones, belly swollen. Mothers try to make babies sleep till noon to avoid a breakfast of non-existent milk and food. Whatever is available to eat is pride, with flour, empty calories, unhealthy. Nevertheless, adults and children develop bellies. The battle of the bulge, not a healthy fat if there is one. People eat what they can find. What they find is not healthy. There is a black market. Except for the generals and a handful of people, the others are poor. They cannot afford black market prices. Meat? What meat? Most have not eaten meat in over a year when I wrote this article in 2016. On rare occasions, food is available. The cost for a family of five for bare necessities for a month, bare necessities food-wise for a month, is $226. The problem is few people are working. There is no work. $226 is a lot of money. Think about it for a moment. Especially in a society where the average monthly salary of one working is $15 a month. Medicines in hospitals are the same. Not enough of anything. Diseases such as malaria and mange have returned. These diseases were eradicated years ago. Now, neither inoculations nor medicines exist. People are once again vulnerable. Dengue fever is a problem. Disease was controlled with medication. No medication means dengue is likely to be a death sentence. There are no medicines to treat HIV AIDS. Many HIV afflicted are moving into the AIDS category because necessary medicines are lacking. Hospitals have neither equipment nor medicines. They are filthy. Cleaning products not available, nor gloves, saline, antibiotics, painkillers, morphine, and anesthesia. Operations cannot be performed, not only because of a lack of what is listed in the preceding paragraph. There is no electric power, therefore no air conditioning. The risk of bacterial infection too high to operate. Cockroaches on every floor and every war. There is a sick humor to all of this. People are dying. There are no coffins. Cannot be manufactured nor imported. No power no money. Chavez hated America. He thought Bush too was the devil. Recall his sulfur comment before the United Nations. Chavez was close friends with Fidel and Raul Castro, as is Maduro. 
As Castro blamed the United States for everything for 50 years, Chavez Maduro blamed the United States also, especially Maduro. Maduro claims the United States caused Chavez's cancer colon by secretly infecting him with cancer. He further claims the people are poor and without food because of Americans. Finally, he keeps his people in line by telling them the United States is preparing to invade, just as Fidel Castro did. I am not sure why I wrote about Venezuela in 2016 when I did. I, I asked the question at that time, is there a message? Is there a lesson to be learned? It hits home that there has to be a balance, watch what I'm saying, between socialism and liberalism. Both are needed in a society. However, Venezuela went too far to the left, totally too far. And I also said in that column in 2016, beware of crazy leaders. Maduro's on the crazy side, a nut. Weigh your vote heavily in the coming November election. No one listened to me. We elected Trump, okay? What else I don't know? I think I wrote the column at the time because it was a tale of sickness and sadness. Everyone should be aware. It could happen anywhere, anytime. No nation is immune, even the United States. So that's the story about Venezuela that I wrote. Uh, I don't know if it was too long for it or too boring. It's interesting. And nothing's different, though, today than it was in 2016 or in 2013. And that's why you, you can't listen to Trump when he says, oh, there's a humanitarian crisis there. Now we have to do something. He should have done it years ago. Okay, uh, measles is out of hand. The measles update, it's getting bigger. Uh, right now, the last thing I read uh, this morning was uh, the measles epidemic is up three. The measles, the cases of measles in the United States are up 300% from this time last year. How's that? 300% from this time last year. 20 years ago, it was announced that measles was cured. There was, no one would get measles ever again in the whole world. That assumed everyone would be vaccinated uh, that required it. But people didn't do it. They went to court. They wanted to be exempted. The kids were going to get autism. They didn't believe in chess, religious grounds. And look what's happening now. And we're still not controlling the situation. That's my story for this week of whatever I got to talk about. I have more, but I want to talk a lot about Venezuela tonight because I think it's important. Uh, keep in mind all the things I said, especially about that airplane, that airplane the F-35 and the S-200 and 300 systems that Venezuela has. That schmuck country, excuse the way I put it, <laughs> that is supposed to be an, a humanitarian crisis, which it is in many regards, can keep our, can shoot our planes down when they come over, 85 to 90% of them. Isn't that wild? Okay, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed. I enjoyed doing the show. I look forward to being with you again next week.